um, because I haven't got time to, like, learn a new one. Um, what we're working on right now is we're working our way through a series called The Enemy Within. We're talking about sin, right? Sin is, is something all of us deal with. Everybody with me? Um, and this series so far, the first week, we talked about the idea that we are all, like, we all carry sin around with us. We did Romans 7, and that's that dead part of us that is stuck with us, right? The things I love are the things I don't do. The things I hate are the things that I end up doing. Like, all of this stuff, like this series so far, like, we talked about that. Last week, we talked about the different ways that sin baits and hooks us, right? Different ways that sin draws us in, that attracts us. I didn't use this as an illustration, but it, it's a little like uh, fishing, right? Like, fish don't bite empty hooks. They bite baited hooks, and then they get stuck, and you eat them. Um, or throw them back. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, like, like, we talked about how flesh, like, the different strategies that our flesh, like, uses to draw us into sin and rebellion and how that plays out in our lives, like the step-by-step that James gives us. Um, this week we're going to be talking about how we fight it and ways that our flesh fights back against it. Everybody with me? Nobody's asleep yet, right? Because I'll play another song if you start falling asleep. I'm <laughs> um, and I mean it. Um, oh, one last thing before we dive into it. Part of being saved is we're called to be holy. You all with me? Like we are called to be holy. It's the illustration I've used twice now. I'm using it again. It's a little like getting married. I didn't say vows so I could do whatever I wanted on the other side. I said vows so that I could draw closer to my wife and be devoted to her exclusively, right? We are saved so we can have a relationship with God, not so that we can do whatever we want. Um, Not so that we can jump back into sin and say, thanks, God, for the salvation. I'm going to be over here. Um, We're saved for the purpose of a relationship with God. And so this week we're going to be talking about that. We're going to dive right into Romans 8, which is up there but not on my thing, so I'll have to reboot that. Um, This is picking up right where the Romans 7 verse last week laid off, or two weeks ago laid off. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, real quick, this is some flashback to the previous passage. The law of sin and death is this part of us that says, I'm going to drag you to rebel against God at every opportunity. So, like, the sign says right, you want to go left, right? God says don't, you say, but why not? Um, if you want to see a lot of really obvious examples of this, read Exodus, where God says, all right, guys, go fight this battle. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And God's like, all right, well, I was going to help you win, but now I'm not. And they're like, oh, wait, we're sorry, we'll go fight now. No, don't go do it, you'll lose. They go fight, and they lose, because they did exactly the opposite of whatever God told them to do, like, as a standard. They were like my children, who I love dearly, but sometimes you tell them, you know, do this, and and they do what they want, or the opposite. Um, And so um, the law of of sin and death is that. We we rebel. We are, like, infected with sin from birth, and it draws us away from God. The law of the Spirit is that we are new creations, and we live different as a result, right? So Paul goes on from there. um, For what the law was powerless to do... Because it was weakened by the flesh, meaning our holiness, our redemption, our obedience and relationship with God was not possible through the law because you cannot obey a law perfectly because your sin will get in the way every time. Um, 
So what the law was unable to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So God's solution is, hey, I know you can't obey. I know you can't be perfect. I know you can't meet my standards, so I will do it for you. And having done it for us, Christ shows up in sinful flesh and is crucified. Like we arrest him, we torture him, we nail him to a cross, we hang him up until he's dead and then bury him like as a sinner. Like this, this you know, and, and there's a lot to talk about with that, but this is God's plan for salvation. If folks come to you and tell you, just be good enough, you will go to heaven, they are lying to you, whether they know it or not, right? Salvation is only, only, only through Christ dying for you. I mean, that's what Paul's saying here. We cannot obey the law to be saved. It is only through Christ, like his flesh as a sin offering, um, on our behalf. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be met fully in us, might be fully met in us. Um, So now watch this. God condemns sin in the flesh, like he condemns Christ who is in the flesh, like condemns him and punishes him so that you and I and everybody you know who follows Jesus can be right before him. So like Christ is punished, we're forgiven. We are vindicated, we are made new, we are a new creation in Christ um, because he died for us. Um, Those of us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit, meaning this is not a universal thing. This is a follow Jesus, live according to the Spirit, and you are saved, right? And it boils down to what Romans gives us is, you know, he who believes in his heart and confesses in his mind that Jesus Christ is Lord is saved. What that means is, like, Lord means boss or master, and believing it in your heart and confessing it with your mouth means, like, hey, it's actually true. You all with me? I, uh, I am fully convinced, having seen my children do it, that one of them is going to fall down the stairs at least once a week, right? And if you watch me closely, and some of you have seen me react when a child nearly fell down the stairs, um, I react strongly. I, I will walk upstairs to get lunch with my son every day, and we'll go back to the office, and he'll be carrying his little tray with his lunch, and I'll say, Titus, be careful on the stairs. And then we'll get to the stairs, and I'll say, Titus... Give me your lunch. I'll carry it. You hold the handrail, right? Because I'm convinced he's going to fall down the stairs and break his arm. Um, and, and like that is just going to happen. And so believing that that is true, I act accordingly, right? The other day, my daughter and son got into an argument and a pushing match on the stairs. Guess who got in a lot of trouble? And I think they thought I was overreacting, <laughs> But at the end of the day, like, I believe, like, they could get really hurt badly. And this is a huge deal because I believe it in my heart. As people who believe in our hearts that Christ has saved us, we live according to the Spirit. We live different. Like, there's this whole new... All right, I'm going to reboot my app here, and I'm going to go off the paper. So, uh, you got to deal with me preaching off the paper for a second, if I can get it to work. There we go. Um, Five to eight... Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, this is important. As a natural byproduct of being a person who is in a relationship with Christ, you set your mind on the things that God wants you to put your mind on, like on Him, on your relationship with Him. 
Um, and this is a big deal because, like, it's very different from the guy who isn't in Christ who, like, it doesn't matter. You'll note he is not talking about how you behave because you can follow the rules. You can show up to church every Sunday. You can wear your tie. You can do all of these things and not have your mind set on Christ, not have your mind in the spirit. And guess what? You're play acting. And God doesn't buy it. Like, you actually can't fool God. It's kind of a crazy thing. Like, he is really tough to trick. Um, I always laugh when my kids try to trick me. It's like, you know, I, I have lied better than you most of my life, child. You aren't going to, you know. Like, but that's not why God knows, because God's omniscient. I mean, I'm not omniscient. I know a lot. Um, but, but like, we, we don't throw fastballs by him. We don't trick God. We don't convince him, oh, yeah, I'm really doing the things when I'm not. Um, and so it's about setting your mind. This is a big deal because it is not something we do once in a while. It is something that we are. I watch my dog. I, I love my dog. Um, he, he's like a, like a pit bull boxer mix, and he is wild and fun and wonderful. And, and, and he has this thing that he does. He walks around the house when he's not asleep, and he looks for food, Right? And he watches the kids, what they're doing. They think that he wants to play with them. In actuality, what he's waiting for them to do is drop their food. And then he grabs it and runs away. Or put their plate down and walk away. And, or like, like after dinner last night, he went. I watched him. He went and he wandered around the kitchen for a while. And he stood there. And he looked at me. And then he kind of moved a little closer to where the trash can was. And then I heard paper rustling. And I said... Get out of the trash. But the reality is he's a dog, so he will do it every time. Like, he's going to look for, the, like, the unattended sandwich. He's going to look for the trash at the top of the can. He's going to look for these things because that's what dogs do. That is in their mind, it is in their personality, it is who they are. We, right, we as people who have our mindset in the spirit, this is what we do because it's who we are. We are completely oriented in that way. Does that mean we always do it? No, actually, because Romans 7 is still there. We struggle. I don't think about it. I get lazy. I blow it off. I put it off. I All of this stuff. And so we fall away and we start to stumble and we get lost. In the ideal, our mind is set on Jesus. And we keep ourselves focused there. It's like driving a combine. You pick a fence post and you drive at it, right? And when you stop paying attention to the fence post, you drive like me in a combine only. I drive great in a car. (laughs) I was checking to make sure you're all still awake. Uh, The mind governed by the flesh is death. Now, we talked about James last week, right? Um, And like how sin, you know, goes from this to this to this to this, like it's, it's enticed and then it gives birth, and then it leads to death. Like, that's what he's talking about. Sin ultimately kills you spiritually. It kills your relationship. It kills your life. And it kills you, like, in relation to Jesus. Like, spiritually, you are done. And then ultimately, eternally, if you're not on it, like, like, like sin, like the, or excuse me, the mind of the flesh, like, that's set on this, like, it will always lead to death. Like, and there's no way around it. Um, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Now, Real quick, I'm spending a lot of time in these first two verses, but they're the foundation for the rest of this. Got it? Um, The mind that is on the spirit is life and peace. Immediately? Not always. Right? Because there are days when you will realize, oh my gosh, I've been screwing up huge in this area, and I've been trying to ignore it, but I have to deal with it. 
And that is not very peaceful, right? It's not very fun. Um, I, I have uh, uh, spent a lot of time working with alcoholics and drug addicts and different kinds of addicts. And a lot of times the first few months are the hardest because you have to go and fix a bunch of stuff you broke. Right, and you got to make relationships right that you screwed up, and it is not very peaceful. I, I've listened to people say, you know what, that that step with the with the, you know, go and make amends. Like I keep kicking that down the road because I just don't want to do it because it sounds miserable. Like going and talking to people that I hurt is not cool. And the reality is that like one is harder. I feel like I should do a Yoda moment here, right? Is the dark side more powerful? No, it's easier, right? Like, it is easy to live in sin. It is easy to rebel. It is easy to brush off and say, well, he deserved it anyway. Or, well, you know, big corporations don't care if I steal from them. Or, you know, my wife doesn't know doesn't hurt her, right? You know, like these things we can tell ourselves. Um, but the life, according to the Spirit, it takes work. It takes discipline. It takes us, like, like following Jesus. It takes new stuff, like where we live this life, this work. Um, a little like practicing every day, if you think about it. Right. Um, But it turns into something better in the long run. And when we hit the straightaway, we have peace and we have life because we have a relationship with Christ. We have a relationship like like with our creator and we're made new and we are like destined for eternity, eternal life. Um, All right. So uh, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God, God's law, nor can it do so, meaning like the flesh will always rebel um, and will always be hostile to God. Um, or indifferent. Uh, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So, real quick, the, the big line in there, mindset. Everybody with me? We have our mindset. We have two things that are given to us in order to do this, right? We have prayer and we have meditation. Meditation has gotten a bad name. Nowadays, it means a lot of things. Meditation, as I'm talking about, is sitting down. And I, I have a few people I have do this as a regular discipline. In fact, I knew a guy who would write a scripture verse on his hand first thing in the morning, and he would spend the whole day just reading it over and over again, just over and over and over and over again. And every time he'd read it, he'd think, well, what's going on here? What do I get out of this? What's this word mean here? Like, what's going on? What's the weight of this? How does this apply? Or, you know, on really cool occasions, they'll encounter a situation where, hey, look, that applies. And, like, having focused on it all day, it fits in like a Lego, right? Or a glove. Um, so prayer and meditation, how does that work? Like, like we, private prayer, we spend time talking to God, and we spend time thinking about what he told us. I, I will tell you, these are not revolutionary. Um, they actually, uh, anybody who's ever had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, right? Or a kid. What is the most important thing to do every day? conversation right and maybe think about them you want to kill a relationship the very first thing you need to do is not talk to each other and not think about each other um talking to god and meditating on his word as like a state of being as a regular recurring thing protects us from falling into the flesh it is a a like strong wall around us or or minefields or something. It protects us from getting into places we don't need to be. Um, There are three main topics that this involves because I know folks will say, well, I pray every day. I remember I worked in rehab. I would talk to these kids and be like, oh, no, I pray all the time. Really, what do you pray about? That I could get out? Why do you want to get out? 
so I can go back to getting high. Good job. <laughs> you know? um, or I sit down and I pray for all of my children every day. I had somebody say this to me. I'm like, well, do you ever talk to God? No. Do you ever, like, talk to him about anything other than your kids? No, I just talk to him about my kids. Um, that's good, but it's not everything. You all with me? Um, the three main things that we focus on as we, like, try to focus on, like, God as a, you know, as a mind on him, you know, in this, in this sense of avoiding sin and resisting sin, there are three, right? We, talk, we pray about God. That seems weird, doesn't it? Um, and it is a hard practice to get into because it feels unnatural. Um, I discovered this. I would get up in the morning. I would walk out of my house to the end of the driveway to walk to work, and I would stop. And normally I turn right, right, because I go turn right and walk down the street to the church. And for the first probably six months I was here, every morning I would stop and I would turn left. Do you guys know what's to the left of me? The mountains. And sometimes the sunrise. Not always when I'm getting up. Uh, <laughs> but, but the sunrise, I would stop and I would look at it and I would say, wow, God, you repaint this every morning. Like, wow, God, you, you put that there. Like, wow, God, it looks like nothing from here, but I could go and stand up there and I could see deer and I could see bears, theoretically. Um, <laughs> I could see rattlesnakes. I could see butterflies. I could see, like, the intricate little details of everything that you put into this. And if I could make my eyes focus any deeper, I would see, like, even more intricate and amazing and beautiful things because, God, you created this world, and that is something. Um, a huge chunk of relationship with God is, is recognizing who he is and knowing him completely. Um, and that's a big deal. It's not just, like, how big and powerful he is, but how much he loves us, how holy he is. You, I mean, that is a big difficult subject but once we come to grips with it that's powerful um one of the things that we're called to do as a part of knowing god is to focus on how amazing he is that's by the way why we praise because god kind of deserves it you know what i mean i i i uh later on today there's going to be a graduation ceremony and people who every day got up and went to school right and read books and took tests and are getting recognition for it, will be given their diplomas. And they, they deserve it. And there will be a lot of people who will walk up and say, what are the words we say, guys? Good job, right? Fantastic. You know, I knew they wouldn't double-check those scores. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I <laughs> That's what they said to me when I graduated. Uh, the, the, we, we say these things because they've earned it, right? Like they deserve some praise for the fact that they finished a major milestone in life. They've accomplished education. I think it, it's sort of a funny thing that I, I stood up here and I played a song. Rebecca played it better, didn't she? I mean, Rebecca deserves like a, wow, good job. I kind of stumbled through it and I was nervous and, you know, I'm like slightly off key and, and a bunch of other stuff like, like, but we don't always praise like where it's needed and where it's appropriate. I'm not saying that we should all stand around and tell Rebecca how great a musician she is. Um, what I'm saying is, like, as it comes to it, praise is a central part of relationship with God. Uh, I cited Psalm 8 on this. Uh, 
Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. By the way, there's some cool stuff in there if you really start thinking about it. Through the praise of children and infants, like who has the least amount of strength in the room? Children and infants. But God, you know, God doesn't work on our strength. It's a recognition of who God is as a person, right? Like, and we take time to remember these things, and it's powerful. It affects us. It, it helps us to fall in love. One of the things that I hear a lot, I, I've done a lot of counseling with guys who had pornography problems over the years, and one of the things that I've heard is, well, I don't find my wife attractive anymore. And I'll say, well, how much time do you spend looking at her? I don't know, dinner, breakfast, you know, like right before she takes a shower. That's about it. And it's like, well, how much time do you spend looking at dirty pictures? Hour a day? Two hours a day? Who do you focus on more? Is it amazing that you are comparing airbrushed photos to your wife and suddenly you don't find her attractive? Um, a lot of times I'll tell guys, stop looking at that stuff and only look at your wife and think about her. And it's amazing how quickly they change their tune. Like staring at your wife and looking at how beautiful she is and reflecting on how wonderful she is, it changes your understanding and your perception. It's true. It's completely true. She will become the most beautiful woman in the world to you. Like, because she is, you know, this thing that you praise, this thing that you focus on. The same is true of God. The more we focus on him, the more we talk to him, the more we, like, celebrate him, the more we change. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it through all my stuff today. I'm going too long. I'm not sorry, but this may be a two-parter. Um, we focus on his word. Uh, Hebrews 4, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than the double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That is a really strong and difficult verse. But the other thing that the Word of God does is it reshapes us. When we spend time reading and praying about the Word of God, it changes who we are, and it changes how we understand God. I, are any of you all familiar with the Babylon Bee? Oh, my gosh. Find this website and read it. It is... It is hilarious. It is a parody news source, like, like that's all Christian. And um, I have a, from their Twitter feed this week, uh, their news story, man literally three feet away from a Bible asked God to speak to him. Um, God talks to you through your Bible. Got it? You read the Bible, God speaks to you, and maybe not in the moment. Sometimes it's the, like a month later, and all of a sudden the scripture verse you read comes charging out, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this applies here. Right? Um, the more we spend time with God's word, the more he speaks to us. When you meet folks who say, you know, oh, well, God told me these things, and they can't say, I read the scriptures and confirmed it, like, like God might nudge us and hint at us and give us feelings and stuff like that, but I'm telling you, there is nothing in the world that compares to how God speaks to us in his word. If that is not the primary way that God speaks to us, we're in trouble. Because guess what? Your voice sounds like his in your own head. It's true. What God wants can often reflect our feelings. Right? Like, I, there's another Babylon Bee article, right? Like, man amazingly discovers that God wants him to go out and do missions that match exactly what he wants to do with his own life. Um, Michael points out to me every once in a while, why is it that every missionary wants to go to Hawaii? Or, you know, Jamaica? I'll go preach there. It's easy. I... 
probably because a lot of times we listen to us and not him. It's just a guess. Um, we pray and we focus on his word because it is a part of how he, like how he teaches us. It's a part of how he speaks to us. And it's a part of how we protect ourselves because we can compare what we're thinking and what we're doing and how we're acting to what he's got going on, right? And what he says, uh, which brings me to my last one, uh, James 1, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I say it a lot, but it's all good. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What James is saying here is, watch this. If I read the word, I will see myself. Not that it's about you. Don't hear me saying that because I know what I'm saying. You will recognize, oh, this is a big deal to me. Oh, this applies to what I'm doing. Oh, I'm sinning there. Oh, I'm the, like, I had a big period of rebellion years ago. And when I came out of it, I sat down and I read the scriptures all the way through, like, in, in six weeks. And, and during that time, I read Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. And I, I probably would have, like, spent time you know, rolling in broken glass to punish myself regularly kind of thing because it was so, you start reading, it's like, oh my gosh, God is really holy and God is really pure and I'm breaking that one and I'm breaking that one and I'm breaking that one and I haven't even come close to getting that right and, you know, I didn't even know that was a rule. I, like, it, it, it shows us who we are. A good example of this, actually, and it's not specifically scripture, but um, I always tell guys who, who go to AA, I'll tell them, look, when you're in a meeting, you listen to what the other guys say, and what they will tell you is like, you know, or if you listen, you will hear your own voice because they're going through the same stuff you're going through, and you can learn about your own sin, like your own struggle, your own addiction by listening to them, and it's true. Um, if you talk to other believers enough, you'll discover they have similar experiences. If you spend time in the Word reading, you will discover that somehow God planned ahead of time to speak to you. And it all applies. Like, you'll find stuff like, oh, wow, I need to do this. This is how we protect our mind. We live in this place. We come back to it over and over again. This is, watch this, right, in the Christian life, in spiritual growth, in following Jesus, this is sitting down for 15 minutes a day and playing the instrument. Right? Rebecca, how many hours a day did you practice piano growing up? Was it a lot? And how many hours a day did you, how much time daily did you make your daughter practice piano? Half hour a day. She didn't learn that today, right? Um, she learned it every day for the last how many years? For 11 years, right? Every day for 11 years. I talk to farmers. It's always very frustrating to talk to farmers because you guys know your stuff. How many of you all have been farming for more than 30 years? 20 years, 15. Um, I'll talk to folks. I remember Dwayne isn't here, so I'm going to use him. I was talking to Dwayne. I went, and, like, I'd been here about a month, and I'm driving around his truck, and he's telling me about grain and wheat and whatever and soft flies and swathers. And I, I had no idea what he was talking about. Like, he was talking, and my eyes glazed over, and I was thinking, I, I have no idea. And I finally was like, okay, that sounds interesting. What's a swather? <laughs> like, and what do you use it for? Okay, and what does it look like? 
And how do you spell it? And, and why don't you use a combine? That's why there isn't a combine. And wait a minute. Now, wheat and grain, is that what bread's made out of? And I, I literally, I know nothing. But I know a little more than I did before. And I know it because I've learned a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But I ain't, you know, I ain't Randy, right? I probably never will be because Randy's done farming forever. What are you, like 70? Like, I, <laughs> And so you've been farming for like 60 years. I mean, <laughs> point being, <laughs> point being, the more time we invest, the more we train, the more we work, the more we practice, the more it works. Now, there's a crazy thing I discovered. If I stop playing for two weeks, guess what? I don't play as well. If Rebecca didn't touch a piano for two years, she would be rusty, right? Right? And practice is funny this way. You can't do it all one day a week. You have to spread it out. Um, there are ways that the flesh tempts us into abandoning these pursuits because these are the most important thing you can do, like in protecting yourself spiritually. Um, there are five, four ways that the flesh fights this. Now watch. Um, the first one is by using our weakness. Uh, when this is from Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now watch this. Where he was weakest is where he was tempted. Right? When we are tempted to abandon the spiritual like, like work, of being safe, of being protected, of being healthy, of growing. Like we are tempted first off where we're weakest, right? For me, that is sleeping late and being super busy, right? We'll get to that one in a bit. But like the areas where we stumble and where we struggle, where we, you know, fail regularly, like if you are a person who struggles with judging the people around you, you will always find yourself tempted to read the scripture saying, you know who really needs to hear this? Anybody do that? So like one person and me. Good job. Um, <laughs> um, if we're tempted, I, I mean, I, I, if we're tempted to be lazy, if we're tempted to shove it off, if we're tempted um, in whatever way, like Satan will always go to our weakest point. Why? Because it's stupid to attack the strong point, Right? Like, you never, like, if I'm going to, if I was going to fight Brooke, I would not get into a fist fight with him. I would run away. <laughs> I, I, it would be dumb. Any other way, because, like, I, he outmatches me, like, in every way physically. I can't take him, except I, I, I you know, well, anyway, I'm going to get into that. Um, I, I wouldn't fight him where he's strongest. I would look for his weaknesses. And I'm betting he could not run the five miles I can run. Right? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right, with the tyranny, the tyranny of the urgent. Now, everybody in the room, look at yourself in your mental mirror and understand this is all of you, okay? We live in a culture that glorifies busy, right? I would pray, but... The average pastor, like this is the pastor's biggest downfall, by the way. You will find this in almost every pastor you ever encounter. Um, we feel pressure to do so much that people will see that we're doing a lot and think that we work hard. 
Um, the average pastor prays three minutes a week. Three minutes a week. I'm not making that up. That's a Barna quote or a Barna statistic. Three minutes a week. Man, I get pre- I get paid to pray, right? Like, but we say I need to pray, but I need to study. I need to pray, but I need to visit. I need to pray, but I need to dot dot dot. Right? Um, urgency will it'll kill you spiritually. I I get up in the morning and I would spend time with God, but I've got to get the kids ready for school. But I have a lot of work to do. I would stop and spend time, pray, like like just you know a short amount of time praying and reading the Bible. But man, I got work. I got this. I got that. Um, with practicing music, actually, I think that's been the biggest struggle, right? I have so much to do today. I didn't have 15 minutes to sit down and practice. Like that's where those things go away. Or reading. I, I try to read a certain amount every day, and I read X number of books a year. And I had somebody say to me, I can't believe that you find time to do that. I, I don't have any kind of time to read books. Well, no, you have the same time I have. Like, you're just not doing it. Like, a lot of times the urgency, and I don't mean to be judgy. I'm not putting myself on a high and mighty. I read, you know, children's books. It's awful. Um <laughs> But the reality is that the urgent, the I need to do this, and the example I used, I'm not going to read the whole text because I am going a little on the long side here, and I, I do want to cover this stuff. The Mary and Martha, Jesus is teaching. This is the God of the universe sitting in your living room teaching, and Mary sits down and listens. Why? Because how often do you get to hear God talk, right? I mean, like, how often does this get to happen? When I was in college... I did not know, I, like we had, a, we had a speaker come. Her name was uh, Corey Tenboom. Do you guys know who she is? Oh, yeah, those of you all who know, know. I skipped her talk because I had no idea who she was. No idea. I read her book last year. I've been kicking myself for a year straight. Um, I could have, it was one of her last talks. Like it was right in the end of her life. I skipped it. I slept in. Um, did not go. Um, just didn't seem important. Um, what seemed important was sleeping. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of times we have the God of the universe who will talk to us, who will listen to us, who will relate to us. And we say, I have too much to do right now. I can't do this. You know, put this into a closer setting. I hear this with married people a lot. We would date, but, right? I got too much to do. We would talk, but we would but we would, but at the end of the day, the tyranny, the tyranny of the urgent will kill your spiritual life. You will not pray. You will not read. You will not spend time in relationship with God. It happens to marriages. It happens to God. It happens in all areas of our life. I have to get this done. Is It drowns us. And we're proud of it. Anybody ever answer the question, how's life treating you? And the first answer is, I am. Yeah. And we're proud of it because it's a good thing, right? Nope, it's not. That's sin drawing us away from who we were meant to be, from the relationships we're meant to invest in. You never reach the end of life. And I've sat with people as they die. I've never heard someone say, I should work more. Right? Um, The end of Schindler's List, do you you guys remember that movie? It was not very cheerful. Um, at the end of Schindler's List, um, this, this man who bought Jews and took them out of concentration camps, like spent himself broke doing it, is standing in a crowd of people whose lives he saved, and he pulls a pin off his chest. And he's, you know how much this thing costs? I could have saved five people with this. 
that car, that's 30 men right there. And he wept because he'd wasted people's lives on possessions. Like nobody gets to the end and is proud of like the stuff that kept us busy. We're proud of our, our relationship with Jesus. We're proud of the men that we become and the women we become. We're proud of these things. They matter. Um, the third way is duty swap. Um, I, I'm going to skip my – well, shoot. Uh, this is Isaiah, the, the people at the time, uh, the, the Jewish people. The multitudes of your sacrifice, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Um, when you come to, to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me, new moons and Sabbaths and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. It goes on to say, I want you to treat people justly. I want you to, like, take care of your servants. I want you to take care of the helpless. I want you to do right. Um, what we do in duty swap is we say, I went to church Sunday, so I probably don't need to pray most of the week. Like, it's a justification, right? That's uh, an easier way to understand this is, I spent an hour on the treadmill today. I can probably eat the McDonald's supersized meal, right? And trade one for the other. I prayed yesterday. I'm probably good. I, oh, golly, this gets ugly real quick. I had a woman say to me once, I would give... I know I'm supposed to give, but I do volunteer a lot. And so God probably understands. And it's, it's a duty swap. And I'm not a guy who talks about money all the time. Don't hear me putting it that way. But we trade. I do this so I don't have to do that. I, I, do, you know, I, I serve in this way so I don't have to pray. I don't have to read the word because, no. That's like saying, honey, I go to work so I don't have to talk to you. Any. Any wife going to buy that? Or your wife saying, honey, I clean the house so we don't need to do anything together for the next few days. Right? It won't fly. Like, it's just a lie. Like, it's a lie we tell ourselves that I do this, I don't have to do that. If you're going to have a relationship with God, you put the time in and do the relationship. That's it. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm going long, though. Um, we make big promises. And I found myself doing this with learning, learning Ocarina. I would say, I don't have time to practice today, and I'm going to be on the road tomorrow. But Thursday, I'll practice for an hour. I swear. Right? You guys do that? Miss church this month, but don't worry. We'll be there every week after. I have not read the word in a few months, but you know what? I'm going to sit down and read the whole book of 3 John later this week. <laughs> um, we make these big promises, but guess what? It's not done in one shot. You cannot sit down and learn a whole piano piece in an hour. You do it in 30 minutes a day, you know, or in five hours of sitting and doing it. You do it every day, a little bit at a time. You work at it. Um, Michael and I were talking, he and I have been going to the gym for almost a year now together. We both lost weight, and we're both more fit, and we're both, you know, like, whatever. Um, but you can't do that in a day. Isn't that weird? can't just go and spend the whole day at the gym and lose a bunch of weight and be muscular. doesn't work, which I feel cheated by. Um, instead, you do it every day. You learn an instrument every day. You grow spiritually every day. You do it every day. 
every, every, every day. And this is relationship with God we're talking about. You don't make your marriage good one day. You do it every day. You don't make your parenting good one day. You do it every day. That's how God designed us. But the flesh draws us into laziness, into, like, don't do it. It's okay. You don't have to try. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to Second Peter. This is my last slide, guys. Um, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to, the, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Last thing here. Peter's saying basically what I'm saying, right? Every day, every day train, every day practice, every day put the time in, every day talk to Jesus, every day pray, every day fellowship, every day invest, every day chase after Jesus, every day grow, every day serve, do it every day, all day if need be, but a lot of times it's, you know, blocking out time and doing it. And if you ain't doing it, like ultimately what will happen is you become ineffective, right? What will happen is you'll stop, like, doing anything worth doing. Your relationship will wither and die, and you'll become the person who sits here every Sunday and, like, like nothing is different. Nobody could tell you're a believer except that, like, you might carry a Bible and tell them. Like, it's not what God calls us to do. Actually, that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died so that we can have freedom and we can have new life and we can chase after him so we can love our neighbors, so we can forgive, so we can be who God made us to be and glorify him. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. And actually, my whole sermon was what I want you to do, right? It's two, right? Pray, meditate. How often? Every day. Um, And praying and meditating is about God over his word and applying to yourself. Um, Let's pray and I'll let you go. We can go to graduation or, or eat lunch. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would bless us and keep us. Help us to focus on you daily, Lord. It's so easy things things to, like we, we find things to distract us. We find things that seem so important. But, but we recognize that, Lord, nothing is more important than you. Nothing in this whole world competes with just the awesomeness of being your children. The awesomeness of knowing you, pursuing you, having a relationship with you. I praise you that you protect our souls and that you protect our souls with yourself. Lord, help us to invest in you and and wash ourselves in your word and fill ourselves with, with your spirit. Just make us into new creations. In Jesus' name.